Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. You know, if I were to be honest with you, I would have to tell you that it's a mystery to me when God uses his power. There's times when his power comes through powerfully and he, and he heals someone who's sick or helps someone with their financial trouble. And then other times I pray and it doesn't seem like God's power shows up quite as much. It's certainly not in the way that I'd hoped that it would. Well, there's a secret to knowing when God's power is going to show up and when it's not going to. And so today we're going to explore that very question, when does God's power show up? And the question I want to I want to explore, and I was exploring this afternoon, and I can't wait this week to think some more about and study some more and apply some more, is when does God exert his power? When does God exert his power? I'm going to read you some, some markings out of my journal. And here it goes. God can't be tamed. God's power can't be controlled or repurposed to get us what we want. God's power can't be compared to anything in this universe. Through God, he creates everything that we've seen. His power creates everything that we've seen from nothing he raises the dead. He supplies by his power. He makes those obscure rulers over empires. He topples invading armies and dethrones malevolent dictators. He shames the arrogant and crushes all the power of, the, of evil. He sets free the addict and those with mental disorders, and he heals the terminally ill. I want to know... When does God exert his power? Because if I can know when he's going to do it, I can be there to see it. <laughs> I can be there to see it. And so I thought of, of several situations in the Bible and maybe through experience where I have seen God exert his power. And I believe there's something to be said about these things that if we'll focus in on and key in on what these these things are, these events are, these situations are that God uses his power, then we'll have our eyes open to see his power moving when similar situations come up. So I'm just going to, I'm going to run through them. There's so many of them. I don't want to take too much time, but these are all good. And so listen closely and, and, and meditate this week on these things. Study these things, these events that trigger God's power. Here's the first one. In desperate situations where there's no human hope, God exerts his power. We should be, and it's hard, but we should be excited and thrilled whenever there's a desperate situation because we know that's when God is going to exert his power. In 2 Chronicles, Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat had three invading armies coming at him, the Moabites, um, I think the Edomites and maybe some other, some other group was coming at him. And Israel had already been overrun by invading armies. So Jerusalem, if I'm not mistaken, this was one of the last places that was to fall was Jerusalem. And so Jehoshaphat had every human belief, reason to believe that Jerusalem would fall as well. He had every reason to believe it. But in 2 Chronicles 20, verses 5 through 13, I'm going to read a sampling of these, of these scriptures, not all of them. 
But it says, Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard, and he said, Lord, God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nation, nations in power and might are in your hand. No one can withstand you. We're talking about a desperate situation. Jerusalem was besieged. Much of Israel or Judah had already fallen. And here was Jehoshaphat saying, you know what? This is a desperate situation. God, will you use your power in this desperate situation? He says in verse 12, for we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. When does God exert his power in desperate situations similar to this one? All the men in Judah, now in verse 13, all the men of Judah and their wives and their children and little ones stood there before the Lord. That's such a picturesque thing to mention even the little ones. Even the little ones were standing there in the presence of the Lord, in front of God. In verse 17, you will not have to fight this battle. Somebody stands up and begins to prophesy to, the, to, to those in Jerusalem. He says, you will not have to fight this battle. You will not have to fight this battle. Why? Because the battle belongs to the Lord. This is a desperate situation. We need God's power. He says, take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Oh, man. Even as I'm speaking this, I'm so encouraged myself because of desperate situations that I might face, that you might face, and God is going to show up. He says, just stand and watch what I'm going to do. You don't have to do anything. Just stand and watch. Jude and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow. Go out and face your fears. Go out and face your sickness. Go out and face your impossibility, your desperate situation. Go out and face the situation you may have been facing for years. Go out and face them. The Lord will be with you. God's power is exerted in desperate situations. In verse 22, they began to sing praises. They did that. They went out to face their enemies. They began to sing and praise, and the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. There they are. Those were the three attacking armies who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men of Mount Seir, Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. And after they finished slaughtering the men of Seir, they helped destroy one another. How many times has God healed cancer by having the cancer cells attack one another until the cancer is completely destroyed? When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked towards this vast army, they saw only dead bodies laying on the ground. No one had escaped. God's power is exerted, and we should have faith for this because now we know this. His power is exerted in desperate situations. So be on the lookout in your desperate situation. When else is God's power exerted? When there is faith present. That's when God's power is exerted. In Matthew 9, verses 27 through 30, there's a blind man. There's two blind men. Actually, we were following Jesus, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When they'd gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? He didn't say, Do you believe that I'm going to? He just said, Do you believe that I'm able to? And in that, 
That word in the Greek, ability, is the same word that's power. It's the same word, able, power, able, power. It's dunamis, dynamite power. Do you believe I have the dynamite power to do this? He asked them, and they said, yes, Lord, we, we do. We do believe you do. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. And their sight was restored, and Jesus warned them sternly not to tell anybody about it. So there, when there's faith present, you can expect God's power to be exerted in that situation. Awesome. When else? When we understand that God's power is, in fact, available to us. That's when God's power starts showing up, is when we believe, you know what? God's power is actually available to me. And so he starts exerting his power as a, as a result. In Ephesians 1, so we, we understand, listen to this carefully, we understand God's power is available. We understand it. We don't just give it lip service. Oh, God, I know I'm hyping myself up. You got power. You got power. No, no. We understand God has power. We believe it. We understand it. So in Revelation, Ephesians 1, verses 18 through 20, it says, I, Paul said, prays for the Ephesians church. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened. Why? To understand, to see, to comprehend, to genuinely grasp and, and believe God has power so that you may know the hope that of his calling and the riches of the glory of his, of his inheritance in the saints. Wow, that blesses me. And what the boundless greatness of his power towards us who believe. I pray that your eyes, my eyes, would be opened, our spiritual eyes, that we would understand the boundless greatness of his power towards us who believe. Wow, this is the same power that worked and brought Christ, raised him up from the dead, seated him at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. So that's what we pray for, a spirit of revelation of God's power that's available, boundless, great power that's available to us who believe. We need our eyes open, just like the servant of the man of God in 2 Kings 6. Here was, uh, I believe it was Elisha. He was in a town and surrounded by enemy armies, came not to get the town. They were trying to get him. And the servant of Elisha went up early the next morning, and he looked out, and he saw all the horses and the chariots surrounding the city. He said, oh, no, my Lord. He was talking to Elisha. He said, what shall we do? <laughs> And Elisha said, do not be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed. Look at this. He prayed, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses beyond the siege, up in the hills, the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. <laughs> wow. We've got to have a spirit of revelation of God's power. So, because when we get that revelation, his power is going to be exerted. So what do we do? We don't hype ourselves up. We don't convince ourselves. We wait. And we ask, God, give me a revelation of your mighty power that's usward, that's toward us, as many versions say. Well, what's another time when God will exert his power? It's when the enemy... We are fighting 
is in fact God's enemy. So many times we say, God, deliver me from my enemy. And God's tapping us on the shoulder and saying, that's my enemy too. <laughs> that's my enemy too. It's not just your enemy. That's my enemy. And let me tell you what, when somebody starts being an enemy of God, you better watch out for the power of God to be exerted against that enemy. In Exodus 15, verses 1 through 18, the children of Israel had just crossed the Red Sea, and they just watched all their enemies, or many of the bodies of their enemies, get washed up on the shore. And they began to sing a song. And if you read the song, I challenge you to read it and meditate on it this week. I'm going to be doing this. They sang, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both the horse and the driver, those people who've enslaved us for over 400 years, we see their bodies on the seashore. We are set free. He has hurled them into the sea. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army has hurled them into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. Your right hand, Lord, has majest is majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered, not our enemy, the enemy. Praise God. See, our enemies are God's enemies. And he wasn't just saying the. He didn't say my enemy. He said the enemy. In greatness, I'm on verse 7 now of, of chapter 15 of Exodus, right? Yes. Look at this. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who oppressed you. I'll tell you what, they, the devil is trying to oppress God. Do you think he's going to get away with that? When he oppresses you, he's trying to oppress your father. Do you think God is going to let that happen? No way, no how. His power is going to be exerted. The enemy boasted, I will pursue. I will overtake them. I will div divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Verse 12, you stretched out your right hand and the earth swallowed your enemies. Your enemies. When is God's power exerted? When we begin to realize that's not just my enemy, that's an enemy of God. That's an enemy of God. And that's why David was so brave in front of Goliath. He said, this guy's defying the armies of the living God. He's in trouble. <laughs> we, we think we're victims. No, no, no. This enemy has just been trying to defy God, and God is not going to put up with that. He's not going to put up with that. He's going to exert his mighty power. When else does God exert his power? Well, it's to demonstrate his own glory. And we see in John 2, verse 11, that Jesus, and I want you to remember, there's a couple of angles to this, but first God's glory. Jesus was asked to do something about the wine and the water and not having enough for this wedding. And Jesus, uh, what he did there at Cana of Galilee was the first signs that through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Some, sometime God shows his power just to remind us of his mighty, awesome, majestic glory. And so he exerts his power unilaterally. You know what unilaterally means? That means without yours and my prayers. Without any intervention, he says, I am going to rile, I'm going to, there's a, a word, I can't remember what it is, but I'm going to stir myself up 
I'm going to arouse it. There it is. I'm going to arouse my power and I'm going to exert my power even if nobody's praying. Unilaterally, God does things. When else does God show his power? Well, he shows his power when it's his time to show his power. And I want to go back to the scripture that we just read here in John 2.11 that Jesus, uh, when he was asked, actually in 2 verse 4, it was a few verses beforehand, he was asked by uh, this lady, and I think it was his Peter's mother-in-law. I can't remember who it was. Jesus's mom. Okay, she she asked him to do something, and look at what he said to her. He said, "My time has not come yet." Up until that time, it's very evident from the Bible that Jesus had not done any signs or wonders. In my opinion, that's how I read the Bible. Up until that time. And what did he tell the lady? He said, my time has not yet come. But let me tell you what. When the time comes, God's power is revealed. There's a lot of of timing, I think. We think any time is good. Jesus told that to his disciples in prayer. All of you were here, so you heard it. But, you know, he said, go reveal yourself. You're the Messiah. Go reveal yourself. He said, for you, any time is good. But it's the times that are set by the Father that I abide by, that he was going to go by. And we need to be the same way. You know, I've noticed if you look in history, there's times of revival, times of power. And I believe those are seasons that God sets. And granted, if people aren't seeking him, maybe that season doesn't end up being very fruitful. But we can't move the hand of God. His time. It's when his time dictates that there's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Look at this. Did Jesus say, you know what? You seek me, and when you seek me hard enough, I'm going to pour out my Holy Spirit. He didn't say that. He said, seek me, because in a few days, I'm going to pour out my Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, on the appointed time, that's when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit came. I believe there's a lot to be said about we as Christians understanding the seasons that we're in and living in those seasons in God's will and expecting God to show his power when God decides to show his power. He's sovereign. God is sovereign. And he does what he's going to do. Luke 5, 17. This is a very interesting one to me. One day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there, and they'd come from every village in Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. It was time to heal the sick. Does this mean that there was times when Jesus didn't have the spirit of power to heal the sick? I believe so, and it's just my opinion. But why would the Bible say that there was, a, there was power to heal the sick at that time? It's not up to us. It's up to God. It's up to his timing. And we need to understand that and be sensitive to the sovereignty of God. Remember what I read. God is not tamed. You can't tame God. He is sovereign. He is majestic. And he's going to do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. And we need to be sensitive to that. There's other times when God fulfills or or, uh, reveals his power. It's to fulfill God's purpose at that point in time again. In Joshua, we find that it was time, finally, for the Israelites to cross the Jordan And God's power shows up as soon as the priests 
feet touch the water, the water starts being pushed back, held up at a town way upstream, and they cross on dry land. And something I think it was Sarah mentioned in one of her sermons was actually there were some places in the Jordan where they could have crossed and it would probably have been waist high and they would have been all right. And God said, no, uh, 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 I'm going to show my power. You know why? Because it's my purpose to get these people across that river. And I'm going to show everybody that's watching from Jericho what it looks like, what my power looks like. And so when God's purpose shows up, he is going to demonstrate power in a mighty, awesome way. So what should we do? Let's figure out what God's purpose is. Let's figure out what God's purpose is. If so-and-so is sick, let's breathe a quick prayer for them to be healed. But let's spend more time saying, God, what is your purpose? I'm finding more and more that the tough times that we face in life, yes, God wants to deliver us. God wants to heal us. He wants to help us. But he's also trying to teach us something in the process. And if that thing were removed as we want it right here, right now, the lesson wouldn't be learned. So let's find out what God's mighty purpose is so that his power can show up to accomplish that purpose. I'm such a firm believer in that. All right. Another uh, another uh, time when God's power is revealed is when evil is prevailing. (laughs) When evil is prevailing. And I can think of no better example than Nineveh. 120,000 people. Nineveh and Assyria were one of the most violent empires of history. They would do brutal things to their enemies. And you know what God said? This this evil in this capital city of Assyria is bubbling over. It's overflowing. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send my power and I'm going to save every single one of those people. And he sent Jonah. And there's probably one of the biggest revivals in history. Most dramatic revivals in history because evil was prevailing. And God sent his power. And that should give us hope for this country. That should give us hope that God's power is going to show up in the United States States of America because evil is, in fact, prevailing in many places. Hey, look for it. Start looking for the power of God to turn things around. Who would have ever thought that Roe v. Wade would have been turned around at this point in time? At this point in time, when there's so much godlessness, there's so much, uh, there's so much pushback on, on godly values. And here in the midst of all of that, God rolls up his sleeve and says, I'm going to turn this law around because I've determined I'm going to turn it around. Praise God. Well, when else does, when else does God's power show up? It, it shows up when people start praying. It shows up when people pray. And we see here in Acts 12 that, uh, the first, I think one of the first martyrs was James. The brother of John was put to death by the sword. Herod was on a rampage persecuting the church. And he saw that he was meeting with political public approval. And so he goes ahead and, and arrests the head of the church, which is Peter. And it happened um, during the Festival of Unleavened Bread. If I'm not mistaken, I think a year, maybe two, after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Almost to the date, they arrest him, put him in prison, and hand him over to the guard with four squads of four soldiers, and Herod intended to bring him out to public trial, 
probably for to, to see him executed. So Peter was kept in prison, but look at this. The church was earnestly praying to God for him. The church was praying. Are we praying? Because I'll tell you what, when we pray, powerful things always happen. And I'll tell you, this is my firm belief, it's not so much our prayers, but it's our alignment with God's will. When we pray and we say, God, I'm getting aligned with you. I'm going to spend my time this morning trying to understand your purpose, your will, your direction, what you want to do. Powerful things happen with that attitude. Don't run and say, God, heal this person. God, save that person. No, let's spend some time listening for the purposes of God. And you're going to see more miracles that way than in any other form or fashion, in my humble opinion. So they were praying, and the, the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was asleep between two soldiers bound in two chains. Sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side, woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off of Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. He wrapped his cloak uh, around him. He followed the angel, followed him out of the prison. Doors kept opening until suddenly he found himself on the street. He went to the house where they were praying. I tell you, God did something powerful because the church was praying. They were praying. A couple of two more, two more here. Who else does, or where else does God, God's power show up? For those whose hearts are loyal to him. If your heart is loyal to God, you're going to see God's power show up in your life. You're loyal to God. In 2 Chronicles 16, 9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. Let's be loyal to God. Say, you know what? If I'm in college, I think I should get this degree. Well, first and foremost, I'm loyal to you, God. You tell me what you want me to do. If you're in your career, same thing. I'm loyal to you, God. You tell me what you want me to do. If we're in retirement, God, you tell me what you want. I am loyal to you. His eyes are going to land on you, and he's going to show himself strong on your behalf, powerful on your behalf. But here's the last one, the one that we probably struggle the most with. But when there is weakness, God's power shows up time and time and time again. Second Corinthians 12 verses nine and 10. But the apostle Paul said uh, that the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. And I want us to think right now, what weakness do you have? Is it a health weakness? Is it a mental battle that you're having? Is it a financial trouble that you're having? Is it a relationship problem? Is it loneliness? What, whatever it is, your weakness, start embracing your weakness. Don't, don't shun it. Don't ignore it. Don't, don't be devastated by it. Embrace it because the power of God is going to show up in your weakness.
is going to show up in your weakness. Praise God. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Man, there's so many. This is just a few things. I, I'm sure I didn't get everything. So many places where the power of God wants to show up. Wants to show up. You know, I think our biggest problem, my biggest problem, I'll just speak for myself, is I want what I want. And I think because I pray that I'm going to get exactly what I want, when I want it, and how I want it. And that's just simply not how it works. <laughs> that's just simply not how it works. God is sovereign. I need to seek his sovereignty, delight myself in him. And he's going to give me his confidential communion, his, his secret counsels, as the Bible says. And then I'm going to pray powerfully in the will of God, in the will of God. God wants to heal. God wants to deliver. He wants to provide. But you know what? He wants to do a lasting, powerful work in each and every one of our hearts and minds. And that's what he's, that's what he's trying to accomplish. And that's where his power works the greatest. So let's pray.